This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Breakdown Podcast. I am Nate Schreiber, and as always, with my co-host, Alex Pollinger. Welcome to our week four preview of the Bills' home game against the Texans. First, we'll go a little bit more in detail about the Bills' big win over Washington last week. You know, we covered it semi-in-depth in the rapid reaction, but I think I want to key in on the offensive and defensive lines here, Nate, after having a chance to look at this game again. And it's pretty impressive that they were able to win this game by you know nearly four scores with how poorly the offensive and defensive lines played as units yeah I mean I think part of that is Washington played really poorly too uh Washington's quarterback played terrible the defensive line was uninspired their defensive line was kind of uninspired Chase Young there was a lot of rushing straight up the field not keeping Josh not contain Josh Allen, all let himself in the pocket, letting him get outside. The Bills offensive line and defensive lines didn't have to be great to win a game like that. That's a good point as well. And there were bright spots on the Bills offensive line. Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morse were both really good. And, you know, they have been. Mitch Morse has been good the whole year. Deion Dawkins was bad week one, but he's been really good since then, which is a good sign because that was concerning, you know, that first game. But Cody Ford was, like, apocalyptically bad in this game. He gave up 11 pressures on, like, 40-some passing snaps, I think it was. It's, like, one of the worst games, you know, by that metric in the, in the NFL this entire year. Yeah, he, and he hasn't been, he hasn't been good all, all year, and, and that's potentially could be a problem going forward. Now, Josh Allen can uh, mitigate some of that with how while he moves in the pocket and how well he identifies like rushers getting, getting towards him. But you, you can't expect him to do that all season and not get burned at least a few times. Yeah, Josh Allen was terrific in this game, and he was sidestepping rushers from that right side of the line. It seemed like almost every play. I mean, I noticed that in the stadium at the game, but like... It, <laughs> It was bad, and luckily Josh Allen was just poised and ready for it when it came through, and it never really hurt them. But there was a couple of plays where they could have gotten really long gains, possibly touchdowns, had Cody Ford just not let his man walk right into the backfield. Right, and that's, I mean, that's the kind of thing. I think Cody Ford um, played decently well in week one in the loss to, to Pittsburgh, but the last two weeks has not been good, and they really don't need him to be great. They just need him to be just like a serviceable guard because there's not many serviceable guards in the NFL. They just need him to be average. That's all the Bills need. If he's average, the Bills will be perfectly fine on the offensive line. That's exactly right. And then looking at the defensive line last week, it was pretty uninspiring. I know Washington has, you know, I would say an above average offensive line. They probably even close to like a top 10 unit. They're not like overpowering, but Taylor Heineke had all day with the ball. I think he averaged like 3.2 seconds to throw, and it wasn't really just him squeezing the air out of the ball. But the Bills did a lot of just four-man rushes, just straight four defensive linemen against the five offensive linemen, not bringing any blitzes and letting their coverage do their thing. 
and it worked, but the defensive line got like no pressure at all. And that was pretty concerning to me. You know, they tore apart Miami, but Miami might be the worst offensive line in the league. So they have to perform against above average offensive lines because when you play the Chiefs, you can't let have Patrick Mahomes have 3.2 seconds to throw or you're going to be conceding 40 points. <laughs> I'm right, and, and that's the Washington pretty straightforward approach. They use five guys to block four, and which means that three of the four guys are ha- going to have one-on-ones most of the time. And the two guys who had one-on-ones from at least what I could see pretty much every snap were at Oliver and Mario Addison, and they didn't do anything in the pass rush, like nothing. I mean, Hughes, Rousseau, Epinesa, one of them usually got double teamed, but they, none of them looked great uh, at all. And it's not super concerning for one game, but the pass rush needs to be more, just more consistent overall. Yeah, I think that's right. The six sack games are great, but you can't have a game where they totally vanish either, even if it isn't a blowout, because that... I don't know. Yes, we're we're nitpicking here, but these are signs for concern if they continue. And, you know, we've kind of seen some erratic swings between elite defensive line play and, like, they're not even there. So hopefully we see something a little bit more in between every week. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Now, for good things on defense, how good were the Bills linebackers against Washington? Like, both Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano just, they just, wrecked the game completely wrecked the game yeah and Tremaine Edmonds a lot of it like won't show up in the stat sheet but Joe Biscalia did a good job in the athletic in his breakdown of the film Tremaine Edmonds caused that interception by Jordan Poyer like he jumped the route by Adam Humphreys over the middle of the field because of what he recognized which forced Taylor Heineke to kind of flush out of the pocket and just float a ball up towards Terry McLaurin which Poyer easily picked off and you know Edmonds you know, is the brunt of a lot of criticism of Bills fans, but I think he's been pretty good so far this year. And he was great in this game. And Matt Milano has been the Bills' best defender all year. And he's been worth every penny. He is worth way more than they paid him. And we're really lucky that they have him for another four years. Yeah, I mean, Milano's just an absolute stud. And Tremaine Edmonds says he's been better this year at, at things he's struggled with in the past, namely pass coverage. He's been a very solid pass defender so far this year. Teams have not been able to take advantage of him in the intermediate passing game the way they have in the past. And if that continues, that's just huge for this defense. Absolutely. And especially in a game where the defensive line didn't generate any pressure, that's usually the spots where we see a quarterback able to, you know, look Edmonds off of a spot and kind of throw a win or at least open up a window with their eyes. And yeah, granted, Taylor Heineke is not good. That's probably one of the biggest takeaways from this game is, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick gives that team by far the best chance to win when he comes back healthy. Like, Taylor Heineke is not good at all. He has he looks at one read and then doesn't really know what to do and just throws the ball up. And that's what we said in our preview. And, you know, that's what absolutely killed them on the offensive side of the ball. Right. I mean, and he will, he's athletic enough that he'll do something flashy once in a while. Like that makes you think, okay, maybe this guy is, can be useful. Like the touchdown run, like how many guys make that play in the league? Not many because he's pretty athletic, but he just doesn't give you enough to be an NFL caliber starting quarterback. He might be a career backup. I mean, he's shown enough where he can come in and not usually not kill you, but he's not going to go win you games either. Yeah. And I'm sure the Bills saw on film that 
He's not very good when you just make him sit there and drop back and get off his first read. And the Bills pretty much had their way with Washington's offense all game. And, you know, we, we talked about how good Josh Allen was in this offense. Emmanuel Sanders finally had the day, you know, in the DFS podcast for the week before. I thought it was going to be against Miami. I was a week early, but Emmanuel Sanders, you know, I said it didn't make sense when they made that signing to go from John Brown to Emmanuel Sanders, who's like three or four years older. But Emmanuel Sanders is still really, really good at 34 years old. And that was an excellent move. I mean, he fits this offense perfectly for what they want him to do. Right, and what's going to end up start happening if he keeps playing like this is teams so far have been bracketing Diggs or Beasley on every single play and leaving Emmanuel Sanders one-on-one. That's not going to be able to continue if he keeps playing like this. Like they're gonna, Teams are going to have to start showing him more, a little bit more respect. And I mean, Bill's offense, they're unselfish. Josh spreads the ball around. Whoever they don't bracket is going to get the ball most of the time. And, and against Washington, it happened to be Sanders. Who knows? This week, maybe it's Diggs. Diggs hasn't had that breakout game yet. And a lot of that's because defenses have paid so much attention to him that Emmanuel Sanders has been able to do whatever he wants. Yeah. And Diggs still has like just under 200 yards receiving through three weeks. And he missed, just missed two long touchdowns in this game on that deep post from like 43 yards. The defender just made a great play on a near-perfect throw from Allen and you know near-perfect diving catch for Diggs. Just barely missed coming up with a touchdown there. And then the play I referenced earlier where Cody Ford just let his man run straight into the backfield and Josh Allen had Diggs wide open on a go route and he just had to kind of float the ball up because he was about to get destroyed. So it, I think the Diggs game is uh, is coming and I think it's coming this week. We'll get into that, but... Stefan Diggs has still been Stefan Diggs. It's like you said, he's just been bracketed and he's still performing pretty well. He's averaging like 63 yards receiving a game. That you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's over a thousand yards in a 16 game season and you know, well over that in 17 games. For sure. And on that on that the, the, the go route that Josh, it seemed like he missed that by a lot. If you watch the end zone view, it looks like Chase Young gets a piece of Josh's hand on the follow through, which would explain why that throw is so far off. I watched it. I probably had to watch that 10 or 15 times. I couldn't know for sure, but it, it looked like he got a piece of his hand because that, that was that's like a 2019 Josh miss, not a 2021 Josh miss. So it's, it just seemed weird to me. So I, I think that's part of why that happened. Yeah. So Nate, anything else you want to add on the Washington front or shall we move on to our preview of the Bills against the Texans? Let's move right on. Um, this is another, another game that the Bills clearly – overmatch their opponents and it's about you know keeping it rolling here yeah and Houston you know is a 17 point dog you know they're not good but it's still an NFL team they still get paid the players still want to win and they have veteran talent on this team they just don't have a lot of top end talent like the Bills you know they have Laramie Tunsil great left tackle they have Brandon Cooks great wide receiver other than that not a whole lot and they have a few decent pieces on their defense but Overall, just not a very good team, but you still have to bring it every week. Oh, absolutely. And they haven't been, I guess the Bills are 17-point favorites, but I, the Texans have not been as bad as I thought they were going to be before the season. Now, that's not saying a ton, but I thought they were going to be completely like non-competitive whatsoever, and that hasn't been the case so far. Yeah, I, I was surprised by that as well. But I think a lot of that has to do with they just have a lot of veteran players on this team that 
aren't bad. They're, they're just decent. They're replacement-level players. And, you know, that's enough to make you competitive in the NFL. Like, there's not many times where you expect a team to go out and win by 17 points in the NFL. And, you know, that's the line for the Bills this Sunday. And, you know, I kind of expect the game to end up somewhere around there. But in some ways, I expect this to be more competitive than last week against Washington. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on, you know, what happens with the offensive line with Ike Bucker stepping in for Feliciano and then on defense, whoever goes at safety for Poyer and if Tron Johnson doesn't play, which I, I, I can't imagine he will. The Bills, the, the, they'll be down enough pieces where the Texans could do something offensively. I don't think they're still going to do it. A ton of, is the rookie quarterback who doesn't move very well and isn't like doesn't like to He's not going to break contain and get outside the pocket. He likes to stay in the pocket, and if the Bills can get some pressure on him, that make a huge difference. And then Texans' defense is just going to be so overmatched against the Bills' offense. I just I don't think they're going to get any pressure off the edge. They're not. They have no way to contain the Bills' receivers. Like the Bills are just the talent is miles ahead of what the Texans have. The only real potential mismatch from the Texans' defense to the Bills' offense is interior pass rush. But the Texans have a couple of Decent interior pass rushers and Malik Collins and Ross Blacklock, so it's possible that they can get some pressure up the middle. That that's the only thing I would be maybe a little bit concerned about. Yeah, and Ross Blacklock and Zach Cunningham, their linebacker is pretty good. We're both put on the COVID nineteen list just about an hour ago here on Friday evening, so I think that certainly helps the Bills' offense even more. But as you said, Collins is a pretty good interior pass rusher, and going against Cody Ford or Ike Butker or maybe even Ryan Bates if they go that route at left guard. But that may be something to be concerned about, but you know, hopefully they just use Mitch Morse to try to help contain that. Yeah, having those, I, I've been driving um, for about five hours to Rochester to Connecticut, so I didn't miss that news. But that's, uh, I guess that's good news for the Bills if they, if they really need it. I mean, I, I still don't think that they really need the good news. And I, I'm really excited to see as well who's going to start at strong safety. I, I would imagine... It's going to be Jaquan Johnson. I think I'm really excited to see what he does. Yeah, and the the way they use the Bills' safeties with Hyde and Poyer and really Jaquan Johnson is they're interchangeable in a sense. Yes, they have strengths and weaknesses in how they like to use them, but the way they line them up and kind of bluff the looks before plays, they're totally interchangeable. Like They'll bring Hyde down to the line of scrimmage. They'll bring Poyer down to the line of scrimmage. And I expect that to continue, and I think Jaquan Johnson probably gives them the best flexibility, but I would expect to see a little bit of DeMar Hamlin as well. Yeah, I mean, I think they will rotate through a little bit, and like like you said, the Bills do, do a bunch of disguising of their coverage with the safeties. Like, yes, in general, Jordan Poyer's in the box, and like a hide is the, the deep safety, but it doesn't all. It's not always like that, and especially not always like that at the snap. So it's it'll be interesting to see how the Bills, you know, rotate those younger guys through. And it's actually a good game to have to do this because it's a weaker team on the schedule. Yeah, and looking at the Texans' offense, Brandon Cooks just has a ridiculous target share. And Davis Mills last week proved competent against a really, really good Carolina defense. So he's no, you know, I I think he's better than Taylor Heineke in some ways. He's definitely not the same type of athlete. Like you said, he doesn't break contain outside the pocket. So I expect the Bills to to try to knock him off his spot and just confuse him with different, you know, blitz looks. Maybe they bring seven guys up to the line of scrimmage almost every play like they did against Miami and just say, good luck guessing which one's coming. Sometimes send a fifth or a sixth. 
and just try to prevent him from going through his progressions. Because unlike Taylor Heineke, he will come off that first read. And, you know, the Texans don't really have much on offense, so they don't scare me. But I, I expect the Bills to try to confuse them with some blitz looks and, you know, bluffing blitzes and just trying to disguise coverages and prevent Mills from having all day back there in the pocket. Yeah, 100%. He, he did. When he had time to throw against the Panthers, he looked like an NFL quarterback. Now, did he have time to throw even half the time, snap, half the passing snaps? Not really. But when he had time, he looked like an NFL quarterback. So that's going to be important for the Bills to get pressure on him. If they can't get it with four, then, like I said, maybe expect some more blitzes because that's how you're going to get him. Getting him off his platform is how you're going to beat him and beat him easily. Yeah, and, you know, we're talking about there's some competence here with this Texans team. Now, do I expect the Bills to have a chance to drop this game? No, like the the only way I see the Bills losing this game is if somehow the offense doesn't get to like 21, 24 points. And if that's the case, like it just means the Bills offense was apocalyptically bad against a, you know, not so great defense. And I just don't see that in the range of outcomes. So what are you uh, what are you thinking about, Alex, uh, in terms of a, a final score for this game? I, I do think the Texans, if I'm their defense, I'm just going to invite the Bills to run the ball. I mean, I know they don't have Zach Cunningham, who's really the run stopper, but if you're the Texans, the only way you have a chance in this game is if you have the Bills offense, take the air out of the football, make them run. Hopefully you're able to get some stops and, you know, maybe your offense is able to put up 21, 24 points and you squeak one out. So if I'm them, that's the approach I go, but I think the Bills are going to be able to do whatever they want on offense just because they so overmatch them with talent. I'm going to go Bills 34 to 16. I think they just cover that spread. What about you? Yeah, I think the Bills are going to come out uh, come out really strong and like put a ton of points on the board in the first half and, and get out to a huge lead in this game. And then the second half, the Texans are going to get a couple like garbage time scores and make the game a little closer than maybe it, the final score indicates. Um, so I'm going to go Bills 41, Texans 24. All right, so have the, it being a push there if the spread stays at 17. So I, I think we're on the same track there. I expect Stefan Diggs to have a huge game, and maybe even in the first half, like go over 100 yards and a touchdown in the first half. I just think this is the perfect matchup. The Texans' corners cannot compete with him, whether they play man or zone. And if they try to bracket him and take him away completely, Emmanuel Sanders is just going to go off over the top as well. And hey, maybe we even see some more targets to Dawson Knox like we've been asking for. I mean, he's he's proven he can handle it this year. He's looked a lot better this year, so that'd be that'd be great. But yeah, I, I think you know it's gonna be the Bills could come out firing, end up like thirty-one to three or thirty-one to ten at halftime, and maybe take their foot off the gas, pull the starters midway to late in the second half, and Texans get maybe a couple garbage time scores. But I don't see unless the offense lays a, a really big egg. Uh, I don't see how this game is really all that close. Yeah, I think we're the same in our expectations here of. This game should be over, you know, by the Bills' first possession of the second half. You know, that, that's if the offense sputters once or twice in the first half. So, anything else you want to add, or shall we wrap until we come back with, you know, we'll have our DFS special as well, but till we come back with our rapid reaction after the game Sunday. Yes, yeah, so hopefully we're talking about a nice, a nice Bills victory on, on Sunday evening and uh, moving on to the, the a little, slightly tougher part of the schedule with the Chiefs uh, coming in next week. So, 
Alex? Yeah, so that'll bring us to an end of this episode of the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Pallinger. And I am Nate Schreiber. Subscribe, download, give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast. It helps other people find the show. Follow us on Twitter at Bills underscore Breakdown. Send us any questions, comments, feedback to BillsBreakdownPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.